What's up, what's up everybody? I think I'm probably just gonna get right into it and make this as painless as possible. I'm pretty much just detailing my testimony, so if this is not something that you, a belief that you subscribe to or anything, I don't wanna deter you from listening. I actually hope that you would listen even more so than a person who's already of the faith. And if you and I share a similar faith, then hopefully this is encouraging to you. So, I remember being four years old and sitting at the foot of my mom's bed, asking questions in relation to faith, and the memory actually starts after I had asked those questions, and she, okay, she called my, of course there's going to be distractions right now during this episode. She called my dad into the room, and the next thing I know, my dad is kneeled beside me, and we started praying. We said a prayer, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my, oh my gosh. We all three prayed together, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You know, I've met people who claim to be Christians, and they say, I don't know when or where it was, but I just know I'm a Christian. I know I accepted him. And that's hard to believe for me, actually, because um, for me specifically, I can't speak for everybody who's accepted Christ, but I remember this scene. I was four years old, and I remember it. I would think that a believer would know the moment that he accepted Christ, or at least the scene. My parents joined a missing agency when I was five, so one year, one year later... And we traveled around to hundreds of churches, I've said this before, raising support. We had to get to 95% support before we could go to the mission field, which was Brazil. So we actually did that when I was 11 years old. There is a family from our sending church that moved to Brazil almost two years before us. My family was going to link up with their family. We were going to be missionaries together. Unfortunately, that family had to return to the States in just over a year, which caused my family's plan to reroute and we actually moved to Porto Alegre in the state of Rio Grande do Sul, a state that is well known for being the Texas of Brazil, like its own country, kind of like Texas is its own country within the states. So instead of moving to Minas Gerais, we went to the southernmost state in Brazil. Gaúchos are their cowboys. Like I said, this place has a whole Texan vibe to it. So they have these cowboys called gaúchos. Churrasco is their Brazilian barbecue, which is literally just rock salt and meat. But it's so flavorful. It brings out the natural juices of the meat. It's better than any barbecue I've ever had here in the States. Their speech patterns, dialect, and jargon are all native to this one location. People in other regions of Brazil know that you're from Rio Grande do Sul just based on the way that you talk. Portuguese is very melodic. It's like a song. So instead of English, hey, can you hand me that can of soda? It would be, oh, tu pode me dar mais um refri? Oh, tu pode me dar mais um refri? It's, it's very singy-songy. You know, I, I have some pitch-perfect sensibilities, so I can, like, imitate a sound almost perfectly, almost identically, like a freaking parakeet. So even though I'm not, there's so much of Portuguese that I don't know how to speak, but I can sound just like them. <laughs> I went to a summer camp within the first five months of living in Brazil, and it was called a Word of Life camp, or Palavra da Vida Sul. And after my whole week there, my parents came to pick me up. One of the camp counselors said to my mom, Your son doesn't even know our language, but he's doing skits on stage, and I watched him go from group to group to group, winning people over with despite the language barrier and that is the person that i wish that i still was there was a very unfortunate shift in me when i turned 13 and discovered pornography that was way too exciting in a really bad way and turned me into a sneaky angry person darkness stained my heart in a way that i probably won't ever recover from 
but I do still have hope in the Lord's redemption. I want him to make me that person again that can walk up to a group, not know their language, yet still connect with them. I don't think I've been that person for a long time. Then at 19, it was time to move out and go to college. My dad escorted me back to Oregon where I would live out the next five months with my older brother and then go to film school in, in uh, autumn, fall. My dad's trip to the States was two weeks at the beginning of those five months and I remember being so eager for him to leave only because it meant that the parental supervision part of my life was gone. It was no more. For 19 years, it was nonstop Christianity, Bible, church, conservatism, that when I left, I exploded like a frickin' pressure cooker. I was so ready to be done with that for a while and just take a breather, decide for myself what I want to do, and I spent my college years not caring about faith or God. It was school, movies because I went to film school, new friends, sex, drugs, and alcohol that, was, that I was allowing to carry me forward. The most interesting part about that, though, is that God never allowed my eyes to be closed to him. When he spoke to me, usually through undeniable coincidences, I had no other choice but to hear him. Even if I didn't listen to him, I still heard him, regardless. <laughs> In college, it's kind of a side note here. In college, I had this teacher who had all of us, he had the whole classroom open up a Word document and write for five minutes without stopping, without thinking about it, no punctuation, just write. Stream of conscious. After that five minutes, I mean, I typed an entire page until he said stop, and then he started randomly pointing at students to read their page out loud. So I started pre-reading mine, just in case he looked at me. And I was so shocked at what I had written. I was going, it was, I mean, it was violent wishes of self-affliction. It was vulgar. I'm reading it going, oh my gosh, I can't read this. So I highlighted the whole page and I deleted it. Right then he points at me and he goes, Colin, read your page. And I went, <laughs> no. And he goes, come on, read, read your page. And I went, Luckily, he got the hint, and he moved on to somebody else. I wouldn't have been able to read it because I just deleted it. I probably could do Command-Z and get it back. Do, like, the undo, but... There, uh, no, no. My stream of conscious was clearly very troubled. And if I were to do that again today, it would probably be the same thing. Which is why I know I have a lot that I have not dealt with inside. That's also why... Uh, hold on. That's also why weed and alcohol have been so comforting to me. Air quotations, comforting, because I don't have to deal with the inner turmoil and the self-disgust. That's a big reason that TikTok, I mean, being on TikTok has saved my life to a degree because I don't know what my life would look like for the past four years if I didn't have TikTok and the audience that has grown with me. I would be that much more of an angry or lonely person without this. So anybody who is like tired of my TikTok and wanting me to drop it and get off it does not understand how big of an impact this has had on my life. You know, my life can be crumbling around me, but weed makes me feel like it isn't, even though the facts say otherwise. I'll end by saying that I've struggled in ways to in two degrees that my family has not struggled anybody in my family you know my dad has taken one puff of a cigarette in his life he'll never drink he will never smoke weed my mom had a had a phase in high school but by the time she was 19 which is when i started she 
already saw no use in the party lifestyle for her. I was just getting started at 19. My siblings have their own struggles, but then when I open up about mine, their eyes are like wide. And it's been really affecting to them. I know that it has. And the one silver lining that I can find in my struggles is that God's going to use them, hopefully sooner than later. I think that the people who are spiritually attacked to the degree that I have been this frequently, it's partially because I willingly opened those doors and allowed things in that really shouldn't be in my life. But I also attribute it to, to being attached to my calling. People with a calling from God are heavily attacked by the enemies of God. Demons hate the light. So if they see anyone with a bright light going from group to group to group, winning people over, they're going to do anything that they can to dim that light, which is exactly what happened to me. And God has been stoking that fire for a couple of years since college, trying to reignite some of that light. That's where the game of tug of war comes in over my life. You know, one step forward, two steps back. I'm still a missionary, and I want to be more of a missionary than I was when I was literally a missionary in Brazil. I have a platform. I have the faith. Now I just need the courage, and I want to use it because to God be the glory. That is an abbreviated version of my testimony. If it resonated with you, if there's anything more that you would like to hear, please reach out in a comment or even a message. If you don't want it to be seen by other people, message me privately, totally, and let's talk. Because I think that God is calling his children back to him. I get that sense and I feel that the, that the enemies of God are kind of fritzing out a little bit right now. When I watch any podcast that is two secular people or a couple secular people, I notice conflicting energies a little bit. And I know that God is not present. But it's so interesting to see this pattern of secular people not really getting along right now. And I think there's something to that. I think that's what has fed into me being sober or making a decision to be sober starting this month, June 1st. At day seven, me and my friend, my accountability partner, we did allow ourselves to reward ourselves. We both agreed, hey, you know, it's been, it's been a week so far. Next time, let's make it two weeks means starting the 8th. Let's make it two weeks. Then maybe reward ourselves after the two weeks and then make it three weeks and then make it four weeks until it's a freaking year, you know? Oh, and I guess I should mention that I'm also moving to Arizona. That is the plan as of right now. I did just receive a 10-day pair vacate notice, so I'm choosing to vacate. My neighbors have been absolutely unbearable, especially for the last week and a half. I made a video about it, a, a gang-stalking video, and it's not necessarily, I don't consider them to be gang-stalking me, but they are employing some of the same tactics that I do believe gang-stalkers use. And it, it's been, I, I've called the police, I've talked to the police about them, they're not going to help me. I've talked to my apartment complex, they would rather see me gone than them gone, so that's understandable. You know, they're looking at who's paying rent and who's not. They probably paid rent for this month, so they're good in their eyes. Even though I found out that the woman, there's two of them, a man and a woman, the woman is not supposed to be up there, and she's the one causing the most ruckus. I just, if I was not supposed to be somewhere, there's no way I would be pushing my luck like she is. So whatever, either it's she moves out, I move out, or uh, this thing comes to a head in a very explosive way. And so I'm, I'm going to be the one to move out. This is unbelievable.
And it's actually not strictly because of them. There's a few other reasons, but the neighbors are the final straw for me. So thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for listening. I will see you all next week, uh, possibly, because I'll be moving. So we'll see what next week has to offer. But I'll be back. Peace, everybody.